Hey, welcome to the show. My name is Michael Rosso. I'm here with uh, John Fideli. Hey. Uh, Mark Dalzell. Hello. Mark, are you sure? I'm going to show you something. Are you sure I can't interest you oh my God. in shooting some Come motion on. picture? This is a 16-millimeter camera, right? Are you, are you on it, commission? It takes a, literally, it takes a metal mat. You, you slip the metal magazine in, mm. close it, mm. and then your shutter speed is set, is set at 1 30th of a second. And then you, you, ju- you just have to set your f-stop, and then you're shooting motion pictures, Mark. Well, that's I, cool. I shot some. Yeah. It was easy. Everyone's doing it, man. It didn't hurt. You don't want to be a loser. But for, you, you could shoot, first of all, 16 millimeter is a professional format. Desperately Seeking Susan, shot on 16 millimeter. The Evil Dead, 1982, shot on 16 millimeter. Something uh, wild. Something wild. I didn't check. fact check that. Oh. Maybe <laughs> shot on 16 millimeter. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, this isn't like kitty stuff. I'm not trying to push you into anything, Mark. I'm just saying... You, you are! <laughs> You've been trying for like four years. It's very cool. I think people should definitely get out there and, and give it a shot. It's an excellent, it's an excellent medium. Do you think one day you'll get a chance? Gonna- I don't think so. I really don't think so. And then he'll get into it. And, you know, and you know what? If I, did want a, if I did want a camera... If you came to me and said, hey, Mark, check out this new camera we got. It's steam-powered. You have to put coal in it, and then you have to follow this precise series of instructions to make it work. I'd be like, oh, really? Well, I'll take a look at that. I don't want a camera that just you just push a button. I want the complicated, junky old one. But oh, wow. I, just, I just don't. Maybe you want like a 1932 Kodak Model K that's like a big black box. I want the one that you have to actually hand crank. Okay. <laughs> I want to have the big pantaloons on and, uh, and hand okay. crank it. Action! And the only reason, folks, I keep like talking to Mark Dalzell about shooting motion picture films is because... Because, <laughs> you know, it makes me crazy. Because the, no, because the last person in the world who I ever thought would like be like, you know, creatively on fire shooting motion picture film is Matt Mirage, the last guy in the world. Mm. The guy who shoots like ultra-large format still photography. Never... In one million years, what I think he and I didn't, I didn't. All I did was all I did to Matt is what I did with you. I was like, oh, I'm going to try this with Mark. We were at, and finally he said, "Fine." No, no, no. I wouldn't bug him. I'm like, "Hey, Matt, check this out." I, I put it in his hand, and it was like magic. Like yeah. it was like do 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 do. He's like, "Oh my god, like, what, is what, is this? what is this?" And then he was just like, he took off from there without me. Yeah, went and bought an Aeroflex. Now he's shooting. Now he's planning on shooting professionally. It's like, oh my god. That's cool. I just don't see in motion picture. That's not how I okay. see the world. I see it in still frames. It's just not for me. It's interesting, John. To, I'm talking about Mark now. Yeah. Because to me, Mark is the type of person who would see mm-hmm. in motion. Be like, oh, I'm going to shoot this mini film. You know, scene one, yeah. you know, with the plant- plantoons on and the big hat. I, I want to write that movie. I, I'll sit all day long and write screen paintings and come up with ideas. But I don't want to actually be the guy behind the camera and then edit it and put it together. And okay. like, ah, I don't have time for that. Fair enough. See, you were wrong. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. I'm the last guy you know who See, would Mark shoot. Mark knows who he is. Don't try pushing stuff down his throat. I'm nearly 30 years old. I, I've, I'm <laughs> yeah. not changing. I should. I'm an old man. Hey, can we talk about the camera donation program okay, for a minute? Okay, John. Because I've got 1,000 people to thank. Okay. Uh, we're sending out... Well, uh, what, is the, what is the FPP school camera donation program? Well, it's a program where you send in your cameras that are no longer useful to you. Uh, we check them out. If they're working, we... Put them in separate boxes and ship them out to schools who are looking to uh, serve the photographic community through the eyes of the young. And uh, didn't you pack up just... We just, we're just sent out like 25 cameras. Do you know, remember... Icon and cameras. Do you remember, remember where? 
West High School in Knoxville, Tennessee. Yes. To a woman, her name is Kat. I yes. Get her last name, but she's those boxes are on the way to her, and uh, that's just a small part of what we do to show you where your camera's going. I got a thousand people think. Okay, take so it I'm away. I'm just going to run through these real quick. Aurora Arande, David Day. No stories. Steve Ingram. No, it's too many. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You may have one or two stories, right? Uh, they just say, "Hope you can use them, and what a great service okay. you provide." That's the general consensus. Amy Witherow, David Stice, Ed Mangalong, Craig Dundon, Valerie Grant, Amanda Goddard. Ooh, is there something in here? Oh, she sent this beautiful postcard with a beautiful a, picture on it. <clears throat> oh, that is a beautiful picture. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. I hope you can make some use of these old film cameras. And yeah. Sorry, I know the old case is kind of disgusting. Yeah, I threw it out. But I thought it was safer to keep it. A lot of mold, a lot of, you know, one thing, if you're thinking about donating and you're using a camera that uses, what, what are the regular batteries? They're not lithium. 44. Uh, uh, oh, uh, AA. Yeah, what are the Alkaline oh, Alkaline. Batteries. Any oh. flashes or anything, check it and, and take those batteries out. Or if it's explode or corrode, or if it's just, exploded, don't send it because that yeah. lighten your load and be cheaper yeah, for you to ship to sure. us. Yeah, shipping is incredible. That's why you, we have to thank these people because they spend a lot of money but, to ship this stuff. By the way, Mark, uh, John is actually he's true. It's right. We are a little bit behind. This is dated October 2018. Oh wow! No, Oops. hold on. 19, 20, 21, really? 22. Five years. Five years ago. Yeah, but I mean, I'm saying that these boxes are stacked up, and I'm probably just getting to them. Okay. Now. Okay. So, <clears throat> Janet Firestone. What, is there a story there? Janet? Let's see. Uh, used by my daughter, Megan, in her high school, college, and journalism classes. One of the cameras was given to her as a gift from the family of Dave Colony, a civil engineering professor at the University of Toledo that he used on site surveys. So, the camera has a continuing history. Yes. I don't know what camera it is. She didn't write what it is on here, but... It'll be in the hands of some little youngster. Okay. Uh, this is from Michelle O'Leary. Doug Brooke. Whoa, that looks like a story. Uh, it is. Let's see. Paul Johnson, thank you. Richard Klein from Edgewater, Maryland, thank you. Beatrice Maloney from New York, New York, thank you. Pam Holloway Dobson, thank you. Linda Mo- Miller Calandra, thank you so very much for your generous gift. She gave a bunch of cameras. Thank Take you, John. Mike. Thank you. Yes. Hey, when we come back, well, you know what? I should read this letter first because this letter is going to bring us into our uh, segment. And this letter is from A.J. Gentile. said, me again, A.J. from Montreal, Canada. Just oh, want, yeah. Just want to say hi. Hi. And I loved the ec- episode on box speed shooting. So that's oh. talking about shooting at actual box speed. I always shoot my first three or four rolls on a film at box speed before starting to push or pull. So, folks, box speed means you buy, you know, Tri-X 400, you shoot it at 400. You buy HP5 black and white, you shoot it at 400. It's a big trend to, to you know, push-pull. Thank you, AJ, for, for your letter. It says, AJ from up in Canuckland. Canuck. Canuckland. Yes. Yeah, Canuckland. Canuckland. We have a segment Canucks. here. It's called box speed versus push-pill. Push-pill? <laughs> We have a segment here called Box Speed versus Push Pull. Yeah? Who's on that segment? I don't know. Oh, Justin. Hey, Justin. Hey. Justin's in the shipping department. No, he no handled, I'm uh, in here. Now he's in this room. Yeah. Justin's in the can podcast. Of, oh, can you whistle? No. He can't whistle? 
wow. to be able to. What's with the shipping department? The only person that's going to get that is Joby. He's going to be like, oh, episode three, <laughs> you guys are talking about whistling. Call back. Okay, and then... <laughs> you leaving? Yes. Well, uh, it's 4.30. Okay. Well, yeah. folks, have any questions about the FPP online store, Justin's your man, store at filmphotographyproject.com. So, AJ, we have a segment just for you, box speed versus push-pull. Take it away. Then the whole gang's going to be in on this when we come back. Okay. Posing for Olympus, professional model Cheryl Teagues. Five amateur photographers behind the Olympus OM-10 for the first time. OM-10, the 35-millimeter automatic that leaves nothing to chance, leaves you free to focus and shoot. And look, the actual pictures these five amateurs took, all 100 of them taken with the Olympus OM-10. They're incredible. Well, you can't take a bad picture, Cheryl. <laughs> hey, we're back. Uh, joining us for this segment is uh, Matt Marash. Hey, hello. Owen McCafferty. Welcome back, Cotter. And uh, heading up the segment is Leslie Lazenby, the author of this segment, and it's called Box Speed versus Push-Pull. End of sentence, Box Speed. All right, let's go. Mm. Okay. See you guys. Uh, so hashtag shoot Box Speed. Take it away, Leslie. Well... If you're not familiar with this term, using box speed means setting your camera's exposure meter to the manufacturer's recommended ISO. Not using box speed requires you to set or override the ISO of your camera's meter. Recently, a Facebook group had the question posted, do you shoot at box speed? And then, oh God, can of worms, can of worms. And somebody asked, even worse, what does that mean? Then the keyboard commandos went into a dissertation on which films and which ISOs, but rarely the reason why they did it. And there's a difference between changing box speed and pushing and pulling film. Box speed changes the recommended ISO, but the developing is kept at its normal original time whereas push or pull changes the recommended ISO, and then you compensate or you adjust Mm -hmm. your developing times. So both situations change the ISO. They're, They're done for different reasons. Now, I always think, why use box speed? Why not? Why are they not using it? My opinion is you've got to have a starting place for setting the manufacturer's sensitivity. And I always thought... Who knows better than the manufacturer? Film manufacturers spend countless hours and money formulating, making, and testing film to give you this recommended number. Sure, and there's so many variables they have to go through. Like, you know, yeah. No, exactly. Let's face it. They wanted you to have success right out of the box so you can use their product again and again with confidence. Not a lot of testing. Testing is expensive. Personally, I use box speed 90 to closer to 95% of the time. But why are so many people claiming they do not use box speed? And they give you a dose of attitude with it. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I think it has to do with all the variables that we deal with as being film shooters. And the fact that film is both an art and a science. Now, here are some factors that affect box speed compared to your results. Maybe your camera's meter's off. Mm-hmm. These cameras weren't made yesterday. AC equipment, absolutely. Maybe your shutter speeds are off. Mm-hmm. These cameras weren't made yesterday. 
Maybe your developing technique is not exactly the same as the manufacturer. Yep. Have especially our agitation, mm-hmm. maybe the age of our developer, maybe our choice of developer. Water source. And even water source and our thermometer. Yep. I used to have two lovely glass thermometers, same brand, everything. They read everything a little bit different. Uh-huh. A couple degrees makes a difference. You know, and we all like to push that developer for the Guinness roll count record on a quarter developer. Mm-hmm. Mark Delzell. So <laughs> yeah, that's the first thing nice. I thought about. <laughs> so, you know, that makes a difference. And all the, you can't just always blame it on the manufacturer. Even your technique for metering do you have the spot meter always turned on in your camera? Is it mm-hmm. overall? Is it average? You, Averaging. Do you hit yep. for the highlights? Do you hit for the um, um, shadows? Another reason why you may not uh, keep the box speed going. Some keyboard commander told you to. Um, the only time that I change from box speed is when I'm trying to make a film match a non-adjustable developer. And by a non-adjustable developer, I mean like mono baths or not often used, but known, AccuFine and Diafine. Regarding mono baths, my beloved Shfema 200 looks under, underexposed or underdeveloped in mono bath. Looks and terrible. Not, not all films. No, you can't just add more time in a mono bath. Nope. Because adding time only really extends the fixing time. The developer's done. So I need to change Shfema 200 to 100 if I want to use it in a monobath. This is why FPP states the films recommended to use their monobath. Rather than making a broad statement, works for all films, not necessarily. Read that. If it's in there, it's going to be great. If you are modifying the look of the final image, it's another reason to go off of the box speed um, train. If you want more or less contrast, if you want more grain, and here's a big one with color film, over and underexposing, a.k.a. sometimes the Lomo look, you get color shifts. Crazy color cast, yeah. Exactly, by changing that. Mm -hmm. intentionally or not intentionally in pushing or pulling film we change that iso but i say with limited intention limited intention is done when you have a specific situation i'm going to shoot tri-x in lower light i'm going to need to put it at 1600 you shoot it at 1600 but when you're back in the real world you go back to 400 to the box speed of course as i mentioned you do compensate with your developer I think shooting at box speed generally gives you the best possible results for most situations. Companies wouldn't put a speed on the box if the results were crappy. That would discourage you from ever buying that film again. My recommendation is to begin shooting box speed, then modify it with your equipment. I would also suggest if you are having differences with your negatives, box speed versus what you've corrected it to. Consider a CLA. (laughs) Or you can always shoot a roll of film, cut it in half, do whatever you do to process it, and send it off to a lab and compare them. Clip test it, yeah. Yep, and you'll really know that way. I mean, it it doesn't mean that you have to shoot box speed and develop likewise. There'll be situations where you will get better results shooting or developing at a different ISO. 
but you need to learn the film first. You need to know what the intended ISO is. And then, then you have the power. Then you can successfully modify it to meet your needs. Box speed. Nice. Shoot box. Shoot box. If Ilford tomorrow took the packaging of HP5 and just called it 1600, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> wow, people are still shooting HP5 at 1600. Yes. HP5 1600. Got to have the hat. Okay. Got to have the beard. <laughs> low, low, lo-fi chill vibes in the background, no matter what you and do. And it's like L.A. blazing sun. Absolutely. That's... Ring that bell. Yeah. Smash that like button. So it's, you, you think that uh, HP5 1600 uh, is, is more of a trendy a thing point. than practical. There used to be a reason why you push your film. And, and you're on a professional answer, job yes. and you're like, oh shit, there just I wasn't. An- this, yeah. And for the folks that have popularized that, yes, that's their look. <laughs> but what they never say is they got there by figuring out what the hell it looks like and how you get there. You know? It's, yeah. I always, I scream to people, test your film, especially by the time you get up to sheets. Mike, 4x5 is like, 4 by, it, 4x5 costs the same per shot as 8x10 did when I got started. You gotta test your film. Yeah. You can test your equipment, do mm-hmm. your little ISO test, two sheets of film, you can figure everything out. But nobody wants to do it, and then they, then they worry why, why pushing your well, film. Well, aren't folks who are shooting 4x5 shooting box speed? No. Really? They're still, trying to put, they're still trying to do all this shit. Okay. It's wild. How are their results? Fix them in the scan. Say, are they disappointed? Well, or? it's it's not as horrible because like all of this, the stuff that the negatives and positives of all this stuff is less intense because you're not magnifying. You're not there's mm-hmm. not as much of that enlargement factor when you when you go about it. But you should you should still test. It's ridiculous. Okay. Well, thank you very much. The new Canon SureShot Ace with remote control puts you in your own pictures where you ought to be. You ought to be in pictures. The new Canon SureShot Ace with remote control. So advanced, you get in on the fun. Hey, we're back. Uh, Mark O'Brien, Matt, and Owen are here uh, for a segment and uh, uh, a segment that Mark is heading up on the Kodak Signet 40. Certainly, without even knowing, just hearing those the, the words, an unloved camera. <laughs> <laughs> so mark what is it what type okay. of film does it take and tell us how all much, about how it much? How- okay listen <laughs> i'll get- be honest up front most of kodak's 1950s 35 millimeter cameras not named retina are fairly basic cameras with bakelite and aluminum bodies most of them are eh, they're middling to maybe okay while the pony 135 and its variants were really aimed at the occasional photographer and at a lower price point the retinas were high-end cameras, really, for someone who was an advanced amateur or, or professional, um, because they really were excellent. The middle ground in post-war America was taken by the Kodak Signet series, with more user-friendly features, good optics, and attractive looks. If your main competition in the U.S. is Argus, you don't have to really work too hard to make a more attractive <laughs> camera, right? I mean, I mean, the brick is a brick. Brick is a brick. Brick, is a brick, brick house. house. Thick as a brick. Thick yeah. A brick. Yeah. yeah. It was a no-brainer for a large company like Kodak to challenge the popular Argus C3. So the Signet series came out. The Signet 35 first appeared in 1953. While it was an attractive camera, it also looked like a, the Kodak Chevron which is a medium format 6x6 rangefinder. The Signet 35 advanced the film with a winding knob, much like the Pony models, and the Argus C4. The Signet 40, which came out the year I was born, 1956, 
is a more streamlined camera, almost like Art Modern styling. Now, the reason I'm reviewing this camera is because I probably mentioned before in some episode that uh, I wasn't fond of Signets because most of the ones I'd seen for sale over the years were rather decrepit looking and had problems and they were the later models and tom frost one of our viewers in vermont sent me this kodak signet 40 last year and i love it it's a really beautiful little camera the signet 40 features a 46 millimeter f 3.5 ectanon lens it's three elements this kodak synchro 400 shutter which which has bulb and one-fifth to one-four-hundredth second speeds and the aperture range is f3.5 to f22 focuses from two feet to infinity and there's a triangular rangefinder spot which is pretty bright and there's no protruding eyepieces the scratcher glasses and things like that the camera back is hinged and the film insertion and operations go very smoothly there's a film reminder dial on the top deck but since there is no meter in this camera you have to use a separate light meter or sunny 16. there is no accessory shoe on the top either but there are side attachments points for a Kodak flash bulb holder. And back in the day, in the mid-50s, that was pretty much the standard of having uh, their own flash bulb, uh, flash synchronization um, points. I have to say, this camera is works perfectly. I've taken it out with a bunch of different types of film and shot with it. You know what? It's really nice. The... Um, <coughs> Since it has a, a lever film advance, which takes several strokes to advance to the next frame. It's a classy looking camera and has very different appearance from the Argus rangefinders where all the linkages were external. You still need to cock the shutter tensioning when ready to take a photo. and you But you can also take double exposures if you release the shutter lock on the top of the bottom plate of the Signet 40. It isn't just a step above the Pony series, it's a step above the Argus cameras of the same vintage. So what did this camera sell for in its day? It sold from 1956 to 59 for $65. In today's dollars, that would be $711. It was definitely more expensive than Argus C3, but cheaper than the C4, which sold for 84 with a clip-on meter. Obviously, the Signet series was aimed at the middle-class Americans that could afford it. To compare it to the Pony 135 series, it was $30 more expensive than a Pony 135 of the same vintage. It's a actually, you know, if you're looking for a, a classic Kodak rangefinder camera that's not named retina you can't really do worse than the signet 40 there are other signet models that um, followed it and they don't have the same nice streamlined looks they look blocky and chunky and they have odd extrusions and and so on it, more advanced features and the more advanced they got the the less appealing that they end up looking and also less reliable the other thing about this is that eventually kodak released the 126 kodapak cartridge and that was the end of Kodak making 35 millimeter cameras because they didn't start making them again until the 1980s. And 126 became the, the camera go-to. for the average um, family to own, mm-hmm. and they were easy to load, and they used, later ended up using flash cubes and all that. Um, but it really, what you ended up with, with a very few examples, the 126 cameras were just basically box cameras. So if you're looking, again, if you're looking for a nice, fun-to-use Mid fifties Kodak, the Signet Forty is one place to one to look at. What can one expect to pay, generally speaking, for such a camera? Oh, I didn't look up to see what they're going on eBay, but they don't go for much. You know, maybe thirty bucks at most. Okay. You know. Um, Have you shot with it yet? Yeah, I've shot a couple rolls through it, and they look good. 
you know, images are good. What's the deal on the side there? Is that like that's a flash for the flash? Yeah, that's for the flash attachment. Very and you know, everyone had their own way of attaching a flash. Those like a mini plug out, kind but, of. Is and one screws in. And, you know, they had the the coat that little flash that came out right. on the side, and they had to bring in mind tonight. Reflector up there. Well, all right. Thank you, Mark. Well, it was it was really a pleasure getting, and I've written to Tom a couple times about the camera, let him know how much I appreciate it. So, oh, thanks, Tom. Tom, Tom from, from MySpace. MySpace. No, Tom Frost from Vermont, <laughs> one of our FPP listeners. Oh, awesome! Is he related to Bob Frost? No, but Jack Frost. Joke. <laughs> All right, thank you, Mark. You're welcome. We'll be right back. Star might, star bright, newest star I've seen tonight. Look. Here's a camera that's built with fun in mind. It's the new Brownie Star Camera by Kodak. The Brownie Starmite. Starmite. So small, so light, so easy to take along, and so easy to use. Starmite. The flash holder's built right in. It's always there when you want it. And the flash bulbs? They're a brand new kind. Tiny as a fingertip, but every bit as bright as bigger bulbs. Starmite, nothing to learn, nothing to remember. Just aim and snap for fuller fun pictures indoors or out. In color if you like, even color slides. See the Brownie Starmite camera by Kodak. It's only 1050. And start now to enjoy all your good times over again in pictures. Hey, we're back. Here we are. Hey, uh. I missed us. Where were we? <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna read a letter. Oh, you said when you when we're back in the whole gang. Read it. Yeah, I know how to read too. Just letting you know. Oh. You just read a whole bunch. I just read names. Let's take turns. We'll alternate words. Uh, here's a letter. Arlington camera exclamation point from <laughs> Laura Rivera. Hey there. I've been meaning to write this email since Tuesday, but I keep getting sidetracked. Anyway, you mentioned Arlington camera on your 620 podcast episode, and right away I thought I know that place. The people there helped me pick out a tripod that has been perfect for me. They make great-looking prints of my images when I need to get my submissions to the State Fair of Texas Creative Arts competition ready. Of course, I just buy my film right from you guys because you all are awesome too. But in a pinch, I've run in there to get a roll or two. Shout out to Arlington Camera. Can't wait for the next episode, Laura. Thank you, Laura. I suppose that's in Arlington, Texas. Mm. In a few episodes, maybe a next episode, I'm going to get the list from those fine f- folks at Roberts Distributors as to like the, the brick and mortar stores that actually carry our film. Mm-hmm. That's cool to like. You, you, walk. Re- you read that off a couple of podcasts. Six twenty film for six twenty day. Oh. Yeah, but now I have to get a list of like who carries like you know you know FPP color, FPP Sun. Did I give you? Yeah, this did come in six twenty three. So did she I was give, right on it. Did I give you a roll of FPP Sun color? ISO 1? No. Whoa. I would remember that. You'd love yeah, it. Oh. Anything below 25, I'm all over that. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're um, in the minority when it comes to that. There, I mean, I watch a lot of YouTube videos, and all the you know folks on YouTube, they're, I mean, it's almost impossible to find someone who's shooting an ISO film lower than 400. Yeah. There just isn't. I just find it really interesting, like because most of the time I'm walking around with this, which has a 1.2 on it, so I can actually shoot. I you still know, look, ISO six film handheld. I still think people feel intimidated by low ISO. Eh. I don't know. I do. Why do you so? Why do you like it so much? Like what? What attracts you to it? Be, you know, I'll tell you exactly what it is. 
because when I'm shooting film, which tends to be outside, and I'm shooting this, this is my main camera the, the last year or two, which is a, a Nikon F3, F3HP with the Nikkor 1.2 lens on it. Oh. So this is just my, I, you know, throw this in the backseat of my car everywhere I go. And what happens is I, I tend to use aperture, you know, I mean, in my head, I think aperture priority. So I'll go to take a picture and I'll open it up to 1.2 and it's like, 2000 plus i'm like all right let's keep rolling it down rolling it down 2000 plus to, until i can you know keep the aperture open as wide as possible and still get the picture exposed properly so in my the way i shoot everything's i wish i could open i wish it was darker out i wish i could open my my aperture farther so using a slower film takes care of that so if i put iso 25 film in this camera i can go out on a sunny day and shoot it handheld at you know f2 hmm. And get a really nice depth of field and, you know, be able to focus on my, you know, like, bring my, the, the thing I want focused on into the frame and, you know, really and, and let's get say, something out of it. Let's say you're using ISO-1 FPP Sun. How, how would you meter for it? Uh, well, the, um, the, the light metering app that I use goes down to, I think, ISO-6. Okay. Um, and then, like, if I, was go- if I was shooting ISO 1, I would meter it with my app at ISO 6 and then just go two more stops. Right. So if it says, you know, whatever, F4 at 250, I would just, you know, shoot it at F whatever, you know, 1.4 or, or 2 at right. whatever. So, yeah, I would just go two more stops. And then there's oddball film, like the FP, uh, FP4 film that I like, that really oddball stuff, which is somewhere around ISO 1 or less. Oh, uh, LP4. Or, sorry, LPD4. Yeah, LPD4. the, the LPD4, um, which is like between like 0.5 and 1 and, in ISO. And do you still have rolls in your fridge? I have spools in my oh, fridge. Oh, okay. I have hundreds of feet of LPD4. And you have a film roller you roll like to roll yep. your own? You yeah. do. I actually I have a dedicated film roller that I just have LPD four in. Okay, and then I have a couple other rollers, but yeah, I have I have a, a bunch of spools in my freezer. Okay, um, but yeah, the LPD four I used to buy it whenever I saw it when back when it was like twenty twenty five bucks on eBay. Right now it's really expensive. So, but I've got two or three hundred feet, so I don't bother Thanks. buying it anymore. Um, okay. And I I almost never use it, but I've I've just gotten really back into pictures the last few months, and now we're kind of heading back towards winter, so. I want it to be summer again, so I can really get out there with a tripod and <clears throat> and start using that well, really sun, slow stuff on sunny days. Sun comes out in the winter. Yeah, but it's cold to like kneel in a cemetery taking pictures of old gravestones and things like that. Like Said it's the nice guy who wears a suit jacket out in the middle. Well, of the but not on my knees now, you know. Folks, uh, 2023 here on the east coast of the United States. I don't know if you noticed, Mark. The whole summer, because of the fires in Canada, yeah. there mm. was like weeks where it was like there was no broad sunlight. Yeah, it was, all yeah, it was crazy. Did Everything you, was all orange. Yeah, remember yeah. that? Would you, that yeah. orange day? Did you shoot anything on, on that orange day? Uh, no, I didn't. Okay, actually, I was at work. I was in Jersey City, and uh, like we were out standing on the sidewalk, and the sky it looked like we were on Mars. It yeah. was the weirdest thing, but yeah. yeah. I did not, but yeah. So I mean, that's that's why I like the slow stuff. So I can shoot wide open. I actually have a really cool filter I got a few years ago that I really like. It's a variable ND nine, I think, filter. So it's it works like a circuit or polarizer, but as you twist it, it gets darker and darker. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's marked, so I can I can roll it almost to dark, and the camera will still meter through it. But yeah. That way, I can leave it at one point two and shoot directly into the sun. Mm. Um, so. That's another trick, too. Hey, I want to thank everyone for joining us. Podcast at filmphotographyproject.com. 
pretty soon it's going to be Christmas. Yeah, You're Christmas right, is right around the corner. And then Arbor Day. I got to get my Arbor Day decorations yeah. up. Groundhog Day. Oh, don't even get me started. Yeah, I know. I don't. Do you have your suit yet? <laughs> I haven't even started digging the hole. <laughs> hey, well, Podcast at filmphotographyproject.com. We'll see you. Real, we'll, we'll see. We'll see you real, real soon. Mark, do you still listen when you're on the show? Yes. Okay, good. When I'm on the show. Do you ever listen when you're not on the show to see if we're talking about you? Nah. <laughs>
here is this. Seaweed chewies. 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 He shall look up Garrett.